0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Meyer. Do you feel close to God? Do you feel like you have an intimate relationship with the Lord? Honestly, thinking quietly to yourself, do you feel like you have a close and intimate relationship with the Lord? If not, you can. But why don't we have a close and intimate relationship with the Lord? Actually, whether or not we feel close and have an intimate relationship with the Lord depends upon a lot of things. It depends on the habits of our heart. I'm thinking back in the late 1980s, a book came out called Habits of the Heart. It was written by a a group of sociologists at Cal Berkeley, And they were talking about the spiritual nature of America. They called the book The Habits of the Heart. And they were talking about why America had such a different sense about it than other countries. They went back in history. Unlike so much of what's happening today, they went back in history to the time of the Pilgrims and the Puritans. And they discovered that the habits of the heart then were actually continuing to reflect in the habits of the heart of Americans now. The problem is that the more we forgot about the habits of the heart then, we are also forgetting about the habits of the heart now. And so what's happening now is a reflection of our loss of understanding of what happened then, the habits of the heart Habits are very interesting. They say that if you want to break a habit, you have to uh, break that habit by doing something else that is positive in the breaking of that habit for at least 21 days. In other words, it doesn't come instantly and it doesn't come quickly. No, It it comes as a matter of the pattern of our life. So what is the pattern of your life? Would you say that the pattern of your life is the pursuit of the kingdom of God first and foremost? Or would you say that pursuit of the kingdom of God is somewhat of an incidental thing? That it's kind of on the side, but you're pursuing lots of other things, but seeking first the kingdom of God doesn't quite fit the priority. Or seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, You see, it's not just seeking the kingdom of God, it's seeking his righteousness. And we know that without righteousness, well, we can't hope to please God because righteousness is the habitation of his throne. So if we want to be close to God, there has to be the component of his kingdom and his righteousness. And it has to have to do with our habits, our relationship, our intimacy with Jesus Grows in the context of our daily habits with Him. So, an ungodly life then begins with ungodly actions, and ungodly actions quickly become ungodly habits. So, a holy life is built on intentional, holy habits. So, today, here on the program, we want to talk about, well, I guess you could say, holy habits how to develop habits in our lives that bring us into closer and closer harmony and intimacy with God and with Jesus, who is God, who was God in the flesh. It has been said if you repeatedly sow habits of the Spirit, you will continually be growing in the image of Christ. So what are you sowing? It's been said you we sow what we reap. Or we reap what we sow, rather. But we also sow what we're going to reap. It's a theme in the Bible. And so we want to talk about also, what are we sowing? Are we sowing habits that bring about a closer and closer relationship with the Lord? Or are the habits of our heart leading us away from the presence of a holy God and therefore being transformed by things other than the Spirit of Christ. That's what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint, and it could be life-changing for someone. I suspect it will be life-changing for someone, and so I'm glad that you've joined us. This conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction. Talk that transforms, and we're about transformation here on Viewpoint. You see, everybody wants to per- produce, or seek information today. They want to feel like they're informed. But if you notice that the Bible doesn't tell us to seek information? It just doesn't. We're to seek the Lord while he may be found. We're also to study to show ourselves approved unto God. But we're not supposed to study just to get information. Because information alone leads to pride and leads to self-orientation, but it doesn't lead to a heart this hard after God. It just doesn't. You can have all the biblical information. You can have all kinds of religious information. You can have all kinds of knowledge about history and about even languages and so on. You can have all of those things and still not have a close relationship with the Lord, not an intimate relationship with the Lord. So our purpose today is to see what it is. What are some of the things that would help us to have the habits of a heart that be that actually uh, bring more intimacy with the Lord? Now, years ago, my wife and I were privileged to uh, go to a. I believe it's one of the preeminent plantations in America. It's in Natchez, Mississippi. We had taken a tour on the Mississippi Queen, the paddle-wheeled boat. It was one of the most memorable experiences that my wife and I have had together. We always look back to that. And periodically, we would get off the boat and tour a plantation along the way. Well, one of those was Monmouth. I believe, one of the preeminent plantations in America, in Natchez, Mississippi. And there, as we toured Monmouth, we saw a plaque in the little store that they had there that said this, If you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? If you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? Well, think about it. It's pretty simple. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but you can leave him. Oh, you see, the whole theology built upon God would never leave you nor forsake you does not include, for some reason in some people's minds, that we can leave him. We can walk away from him. In fact, you can walk so far away from him that even though he would not leave you, you are leaving him. You're just walking away. You're leaving him. Children can walk away from their families. Oh, yes, they were children by birth, but they're not receiving any of the blessings of the family. In fact, they become a curse to the family. So, here on Viewpoint Today, we want to talk about these habits of the heart, some things that you and I can do that will lead to a being in intimacy with the Lord. Stay tuned, friends. Your life just might be changed. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today, by the way, the word conviction is a very good word. It's a desirable word. We want the Holy Spirit to convict us so that we can have our lives adjusted, our habits, the habits of our heart adjusted, so that we can walk ever closer to the Lord and He can walk alongside us, and we have this sense that we are walking together. Doesn't the Bible actually say or ask the question, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Well, we want to be in agreement, not just in agreement in our heads with some religious knowledge. We want to be in agreement in our hearts and in our habits, in the ways of our life. The Bible says that when the ways of a person please the Lord, then it's a good thing. When the ways of a person don't please the Lord, then it's not a good thing. Okay? So here's one of the biggest deceptions of our time. It is a huge deception. You can say the devil himself is just lying to our culture, but he's lying to Christians too. And there's one lie. It's just wreaking havoc on believers all over the world. It's the lie that God's priority is to make us happy. Have you found anywhere, the the scriptures don't say, be happy for I am happy. There's no place in the word where God says, be happy. Now there are some who in the Beatitudes will retranslate the Beatitudes and say, instead of blessed are they, you'll see happy are they. Well, it's not the same thing. It's just not the same thing. Happiness is circumstantial. If the circumstances make me happy, then I'm happy. Blessedness doesn't have to do with the circumstance. It has to do with the attitude of my heart. So, God's desire is not that we be happy per se, but that we first, be holy. And if we're walking in holiness as the habit of our heart and of our ways, then we are far more likely to be happy. Right? We have to understand that. If we don't understand that, then we will think that, for instance, the words of the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, is what God is all about. No, that's not what God is all about. That is a secular view, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, nothing nothing wrong with life, God created life, nothing wrong with liberty from God's viewpoint, freedom from God's viewpoint, and nothing wrong with happiness. But if we're pursuing happiness, we will not be pursuing holiness because happiness is circumstantial and it's all about me. It's not about God, it's about me. And that's why it is said that holiness has a cost. So even discipleship is said to have a cost, the cost of discipleship. So a holy life is not just what about saying to no to our flesh. It's about saying yes to the things that God would have us to follow, to be. God wants us to be holy. He doesn't want us to think that we should be holy. He wants us to be holy holy. You say, well, how am I going to be holy when I sin? Well, God knows you sin. He does. You know how we know that? Because John, the beloved disciple, said there in First John, that if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar, and his word isn't in us. But if we confess our sin, then he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that'll get us to another aspect or habit of the heart. But for now, you see, sin itself is an intimacy killer. Now, we don't even have to think of it in terms of our relationship with the Lord. If you're married, think about what happens if you do something or say something that is uh, ugly, mean, cheap, or stupid, so to speak, with regard to your spouse. Is that doing anything to increase the intimacy of your relationship no, actually, it's just the opposite, isn't it? So we cannot sin against another person without destroying or interfering with our relationship there. The same is true with God, even the more so because he is sinless. Sin is basically an act of defiance against a holy God, it's an intimacy killer. But holiness is an intimacy killer grower. When you begin to live a holy life, your desire to have holy habits is going to grow. Now, you may think it's just the opposite. You may think, well, I can't do that. That's just not me. Well, then you don't have and don't even desire to have intimacy with the Lord. That's a problem. That's a problem. We used to sing a song years ago called, my desire is to be like Jesus. My desire is to be like him. His spirit fill me, his love orwhelm me indeed and truth, indeed and truth to be like him. Is that your desire? It should be. It should be all of our desires if we profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. Because you can't follow if, if you're following him afar off then you're not going to have an intimate relationship with him. If you say you're a Christian or a Christ one, but you're not with him, then you're not going to experience the intimacy that he desires. You remember the words of Scripture when it says, Jesus chose 12 to be with him? To be with him. Jesus didn't have a do-it-to-you ministry, like so much ministry today. He had a do-it-with-you ministry. In fact, the very heart of his ministry was withness. He broke bread with his disciples. He spent time and walked with them. So if you want to have intimacy with your wife or your husband, you're going to periodically walk with them them is one of the best things that you can do to build intimacy together as a married couple, walking together in agreement with him or her. So here's the problem. We say we want to read the Bible. We know we should read the Bible, but for some reason we never choose the truth that's in it. So many people, and I found this to be so myself, friends, especially when I was a teenager, trying to read the Bible through in a year, three chapters a day and five on Sunday. The problem was that by the time I got to chapter three, I was about sleeping. And on Sundays, by the time I got to chapter two or three, I was very close to sleep. Why? because I wasn't seeking what God wanted me to be and to do. I was just seeking to read the Bible. That's why the Bible doesn't tell us to read it. It tells us to study it. It tells us to meditate on it, but it doesn't tell us to read it. Isn't that interesting? So a lot of people can read something, and it just goes right over the top of their head. What God wants us to do is enter into a relationship with the word of God. Jesus was called the word of God. And so when we get into his word, it is part of the process, the habit of becoming like Jesus. Jesus spent time with his father in the word. That's why he could know the word. And Jesus said, if you and I then will continue in the word, the word will make us free. That's right. So, it doesn't say set us free, it says make us free, by the way. Now, you may have a translation that says set us free, but no, it's make us free because it's a continuing process, and that's why we have to have a habit of building the Word of God into our lives every single day. We have to choose it and do it. Now that's the most important thing of all. And I have to tell you, going back in my own life back to about the age of uh, 30, in the midst of law school and in the midst of working full time, our marriage relationship was strained because I was so unbelievably busy and my wife uh, was also going through college at the same time and There was just very little time for us together. And so one day my wife came to me and she says, Chuck, I don't have any more feelings for you, and it scares me. What she was really saying is, I don't hate you. She wasn't saying she wanted a divorce. She was saying, I just don't have this sense of intimacy and true, genuine fellowship with you that I yearn for. Now, you might have that very same feeling with the Lord. In fact, you might have it with your wife or, or, or husband. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons why we wrote the book, Lasting Love. Lasting Love, has Seven Secrets for Marital Success. And we wrote that in celebration of our 50th wedding anniversary, 50 years after the first seven years when my wife came to me and said, Chuck, I don't have any more feelings for you. So, you see, the habits of the heart are the things that prepare us for fulfillment and joy in the Lord. The Apostle Paul said that the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but in righteousness, joy, and peace. Righteousness, joy, and peace. So if we want that joy and peace, we have to walk in the righteousness and we have to have these habits that bring us into closer and closer relationship with the Lord. Now, let's suppose that you don't are not in that position. Let's suppose that, and very likely it's, it's the case because very few professing Christians are really walking in intimacy with the Lord Oh, they're going to church. That doesn't, that doesn't mean you're walking in intimacy the Lord. You might just be walking in more intimacy with yourself, given some of the worship stuff that's going on today. It's all about me and my feelings rather than about God. Think about that. So what do we do? What do we do if we don't feel close to God? What if we don't feel that intimacy that we desire, that other people talk about? Well, it's very simple. You come home. You come home. It's been said that home is where the heart is, right? So where is our heart? If home is where the heart is, then we want to come home. Well, what does that mean, though? Well, it really means that we turn from the direction, the habits that we've been engaging in in our life and go back to the habits and practices of our life that set our course for intimacy, intimacy with the Lord. And so home is where we must go quickly, as quickly as we possibly can. Well, Yet what does that mean? Well, the biblical word for that is called repentance. I don't know why it is that so many people uh, just get a knee-jerk reaction that's so negative toward the word repentance. Even a major prayer leader in our country once told me that we can't have a theme of repentance for our National Day of Prayer because it's too negative. No, it's not too negative. It's the most positive word in the Bible. If God says, be ye holy, and we're not walking in holiness at any particular time, the only solution is repentance. First, we confess our sin, that we're not walking in faithfulness to the Lord, and then we turn from it. That's called repentance. We have a change of mind and a change of heart, which leads us to a change of habit, and the habit that we need to have every day is actually repenting. Repenting of our sinful desires, that is replacing God's holy desires in my heart. And when we do this as a matter of practice, and it becomes the habit of my heart, I keep very short accounts with God. I don't want to displease Him. And if I say something or I do something or my attitude is not right, I want to ask Him for forgiveness. I want to confess what I did. I want to own up to it. I don't want to make excuses for it. And then I want to turn from it. It's called repentance. It's coming home. The habit of turning from and turning to. It's the habit of repenting our way into greater intimacy with Jesus. We used to sing a song. Remember, "Come home, come home, ye that are weary, come home." Hmm. I wonder what ever happened to that. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today, we're talking about how to develop habits of the heart that lead us to a closer intimacy with the Lord. I'm sure that's what you desire. If you didn't desire that, you probably wouldn't be listening to this program anyway, would you? Now, even when we talk about other issues of our time, whether we talk about prophecy, whether we talk about uh, other kinds of issues, Ultimately, bottom line, what we're really talking about is getting our lives in order, prepared to be with the Lord. Ultimately, at the end of time, Jesus is going to conduct, there's going to be a wedding. It's called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. And when that wedding takes place, you know that he's not going to have a bride. Jesus said he's not going to have a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Right? So, in other words, we have to have the constant attitude of repenting. But then, we need to do some other things, another kind of talking with God, that is just conversation. You and me. We call it prayer. That's the biblical word for it but it really means talking with God and we can't live fruitfully if we also don't live prayerfully so it's been said that praying is not playing and the Christian who is not praying is actually playing in other words we're pretending now let me give you an illustration it's not this hard it's not that hard to understand. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Now, that may be very intimidating at first. I understand that. And part of it is because we don't understand what that means. We get this idea that it's like what we do when we pray, and uh, what do we do when we pray, Well, we have these big, long prayers, and we, you know. When you talk with your spouse or a friend, do you necessarily just keep on talking and talking talking talking? Are you just necessarily asking and asking and asking and asking for something? No. You're talking out of relationship. The things that you care about, the things that together you care about, the things that you're concerned about, the things that you're joyful about, all of those kinds of things you see are wrapped together and you talk Together, years ago, my wife and I did a a ministry series dealing with our marriages. And we talked about these seven T's of a terrific relationship. And this is true not only for our marriages, but our relationship with the Lord. The first is time. We have to spend time together. That's the first habit. We have to have time together. Now, if you're not having time together with the Lord or with your spouse or whatever other relationship you're trying to develop, you're just kidding yourself. Absolutely just kidding yourself. So we have to set aside time. And that's hard in our culture, isn't it? Everything else is prevailing upon us. So we have to choose. We have to make a decision to develop these certain habits that are going to lead us into the kind of relationship that we say that we yearn for. The first is time, time together. Together, not just time, but time together. A lot of people will spend time with their spouse, but they're not really together. Maybe they're going out to watch a movie or something, or doing something else like that, but there's no real sense of togetherness They're Together but separate. Their minds and their hearts are not synced. And there's no increase in intimacy that comes from that level of togetherness. Together means together. That we feel like we are really together. Time together. Talking. That's the third T. Talking. Well, what does the Bible call talking together? Prayer. Prayer. Praying to God, talking to God, talking with God. You know, to be real honest with you, and I've shared this many times here on on Viewpoint, oftentimes the most important prayers that I pray are very simple, maybe just a few words or a sentence. I'll never forget An instance when I was driving to a pastor's prayer uh, breakfast, prayer gathering, and uh, I was driving across the James River, America's Birth River, and I asked the Lord this simple question Why is it that we have no revival after all these years of praying and begging for it, not only across our country, but also in Richmond, Virginia, the birth city of the nation? And he answered me immediately. He said, my pastors are not preaching righteousness. I I kid you not, that's what he, he said to me. And so I'm thinking about that in a brief moment, just like you might think about something that your spouse said to you while you were driving or walking. And then as I'm contemplating that, he said, and by the way, that's why That's why your nation is in the trouble it's in. So I'm thinking about that in a brief second. And then he said, and that's why my church has no power to change anything in your country, because my pastors are not preaching righteousness. Now, all of that took place in a matter of maybe one minute. It was prayer. It was an interchange And that's how God wants us to be. Now, it's not always exactly like that. I'm not always asking God some specific thing like that. But oftentimes, sometimes he just wants us to be, to listen, to talk. Time together talking and thinking, thinking together. We do that in prayer. And thanking. Mm-hmm. All of those things you see are part of the intimacy of relationship and the habits of our heart. So we've got to pray. We've got to pray continually. And quite frankly, it's all through the day. It might be little one-minute prayers. It might be 30-second prayers. It must might be, thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. Whatever. Whatever. That's what praying without ceasing means. We want to have a constant conversation with the Lord. You don't continue to talk and fill every moment with your spouse when you're together or with a friend. You don't fill every single moment with words. But they're a reflection of the closeness of your relationship together. Now, another thing, another habit of the heart that we need to understand is that we have to rest. The Bible says to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. He also says to be still and know that I am God. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Being still? You've got to be kidding me. In this workaday world, in which everybody, the hurrier we go, the behinder we get, and so on, we pant breathe through everything. Even pastors do, maybe especially pastors. I don't know. I see an awful lot of pant breathing among pastors and parachurch leaders. It's almost as if we think we ourselves can save the world. No, we're participates participants with the Lord. But we ourselves are not the saviors. So why is it we don't rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him? An awful lot of people are, you know, running to and fro from this group to that group to this pastor and that pastor. And they're filling up their minds and their hearts with everybody else. And there's no rest. They're not waiting on the Lord patiently. They're not patient at all. And that's why the Bible says that we should let patience have its perfect work, that we might be perfect and entire, lacking no thing, lacking nothing. That's a hard thing, isn't it, to be patient? A very hard thing, especially for uh, somebody who is just a doer, doer, doer. Get it on, get it on. we got to get moving here. Well, there's a time to get moving. There's a time to be quiet a time to be still and know that he is God. And just listening to music is not necessarily being still, especially with a lot of the so-called music that comes out today that's designed to stir up your flesh rather than quiet your spirit. Did you hear that? Music designed to stir up your flesh rather than quiet your spirit. So if God calls us to be holy... We're to be set apart, set apart to him, quiet. We're to be quiet before him. And I think that's one of the reasons why he gave us the Sabbath. He said, remember. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. He didn't say to keep any other day holy in particular, although he wants us to live holy every day of the week. But there's a reason he set aside one day out of seven. So if you're never resting... It's not going to accelerate the work of God in our life. In fact, it corrupts it. Be still. Set aside that day. God himself set it aside. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that he sanctified or set aside the seventh day. Some people are always asking, well, what is the Sabbath? Well, there is only one Sabbath. The Bible, God never changed the Sabbath. There's only one Sabbath. That's the seventh day. So you you can read the word yourself. It's pretty clear. And it's a day for us to delight ourselves in the Lord. Not to delight ourselves in ourselves in particular, but to delight ourselves in the Lord and in relationships that we have here on this planet So are you resting? Rest to the Lord and wait patiently for him. It's a habit of the heart. We'll be right back, see you. decipher your destiny right here in New York.
1: Click Cell Church.
0: An awful lot of people think that doing work for Jesus is the same as being with him. It's not true. For instance, I can do a lot of things for my wife, but she doesn't perceive them as being with her. It's not that she doesn't appreciate what I do for her. It's just that it just doesn't satisfy the need to be with her. She desires withness. It took me a long time to comprehend that as a husband, a young husband. And my wife would try in various different ways to communicate to me how much she wanted us to have this sense of withness. Now, she didn't use that word because if she had, it might have communicated to me a little bit better. But it took me quite a few years to gradually comprehend what she was talking about. And the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. You know, just going to church is not the same as withness with the Lord. It just isn't. You're with other people, and yes, you're theoretically worshiping the Lord, but there's not necessarily an intimacy that's involved in that. Now, Jesus said this. He said, blessed are they who do hunger and thirst for righteousness. He didn't say blessed are they that are hungry. He said blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness. In other words, there's something we have to develop the hunger. Now, there's going to be a hunger there for something. People have all kinds of hungers. Hunger for things, hunger for money, hunger for uh, entertainment, hunger, who knows, hunger for food, drink, whatever. And today, drugs, all kinds of hungers. But spiritual hunger is the only thing that draws us closer to the Lord. The interesting thing is that we have to curry that hunger. We have to... Develop that hunger. There is a latent hunger, but we have to develop it, and it has to be one of the habits of our hearts. Why isn't it? The reason it isn't is because we just don't, haven't really quite grasped the idea that it's about the Lord and it's about his kingdom. That's what our whole life is supposed to be about. It's not an incidental thing. It's supposed to be the thing, the principal thing, to love God and enjoy him forever. But a lot of people fall in love with working for Jesus rather than being with Jesus. So the very things that seem to be good become a replacement for God himself. So, as one person writes, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? What is the emphasis of your life? Are you really seeking first the kingdom of God? What you eat consistently will be what you crave consistently. And Noah Heron, who wrote the book Holy Habits, says this is one of the hardest Habits that we have to deal with. Why is that? Because our culture screams at us something otherwise. One seeks the kingdom of me, the other seeks the kingdom of God. Why do you think we have selfies? What do you think that's all about? We live in a selfie world. It's all about self, it's all about me. I remember. A number of years ago, as I was leaving the Chicago airport and driving along, and there was this massive billboard along the freeway, and it just said, me, me, me. That's all it said, me, me, me. I thought, wow, what a profound, fleshly testimony of our country. Me, me, me. No, what we really need is one that says, The, the, the. So it's not all about me, it's about Him. It's about the Lord. It's about God. It's about the kingdom of His, His kingdom and His righteousness. So these are some very, very important habits of the heart that we need to deal with it. Now, Years ago, a brother in our congregation used this term. He said, keep it simple, saints. Now, you've probably heard the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid. But he said, no, keep it simple, saints. I like that. God wants us to keep things pretty simple. He wants us to be content. If we're not content, then we're living in discontent. You see, discontent is dissing contentment. And if we're not content before the Lord, then we're discontented. So let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy being around a person who is constantly complaining, constantly fretting about what they don't have or the bad things that are happening to them or this, that, or the other, constant, constant. They're not content. They always are wanting something else. They're just discontent. That's the way it was with the children of Israel. I want you to think about this. When the children of Israel were taken by God's mighty hand out of Egypt, the spirit of bondage there, He wanted them to walk in the freedom of his spirit. He wanted them to trust him, very simply, take him at his word. He provided for them manna. The Bible calls it angel's food in one place. He provided food. He provided water. He even delivered them, delivered the water to them out of a rock. He did so many things for them. He entered into a marriage covenant with them at Mount Sinai. He said, if you'll do these things, then I will do this. You can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's called the blessings and the cursings. The problem is they refused to walk in contentment. You know why they refused to walk in contentment? Because they didn't really believe God. They didn't really trust him. They didn't. And because of that, over time, during the 40 years that they were walking through the wilderness, they were being tested. Let me ask you a question. Would it it be right to think for you to consider that you're being tested? Do you know that we're all being tested? Jesus was tested 40 days and 40 nights right after his baptism. The children of Israel were tested for 40 years. Over and over again, we find the number 40 being the number of testing in the Bible. Now, I don't know how old you are, but I can tell you that I've gone through tests for 40 years at least, more than that. I'm still going through tests. If you don't go through tests, you're not going to have a testimony. So the question is, do I trust God? You see, trust has to be a habit of my heart. And if I'm not trusting God, then I'm distrusting him. And I don't really believe him. And if I really believed him, I would obey him, wouldn't I? So if I don't obey him, it reveals that I don't trust him. So obedience is one of the most important, fundamental habits of our hearts. To be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Because if I'm I'm just a hearer of the word and say I believe, but I don't do or respond to the word, then I'm deceiving my own self. That's what Jesus' brother James said. I'm deceiving my own self. We don't want to walk in self-deception. We want to be a doer of the word. And guess what? There were two men out of 600,000 men that God took out of Egypt, men 20 years of age and over that God took out of Egypt, but only two of them got to the promised land. Only two of them really had that walk of intimacy with the Lord. The Bible says they had another spirit about them. Question, do you have that other spirit? Do I have that other spirit? See, we need to ask ourselves rhetorical questions like this. We just do. That's why the, how the Bible is supposed to be read. We ask ourselves rhetorical questions. When you read through the Psalms, you find that David went through all kinds of testing and trials. And then he would resolve those testing and trials and say, but I will. I will trust the Lord. I will obey the Lord. I will meditate and delight in his commandments. I will. Notice that? So David had a habit of always resolving life's tests by trusting God. When we do that, It's amazing what happens in our relationship with him. And all of that was put so simply, friends, in that simple song that we used to sing. I don't know why people don't sing it anymore. Maybe it's because the word obey has fallen on such hard times in our country. It's become the most hated word in the church, according to many pastors that have joined me here, right on this program to admit that. But here's the song. When we walk with the Lord, notice, walk with the Lord in the light of his word. What a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still. Notice that's the intimacy we're walking in. He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. So we trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Keep it simple, saints. Keep it simple, saints. Holy habits, habits of the heart. It's the habits of the heart that define whether a person is truly walking with the Lord in the light of his word. And to those people, he sheds a glory on their way. One of the things as we wrap up here today that I would really want to encourage us all with, and God had to work on me triple time about 25 years ago over the issue of Gratitude. Gratitude. The attitude of gratitude. If we're not grateful, we're not thankful. The Bible says in everything give thanks, because this is the will of God concerning us. When you walk with a person who is grateful, doesn't it warm your heart? Doesn't it lay a foundation for peace and tranquility and ease of relationship? as opposed to somebody who's constantly complaining, constantly bellyaching, constantly expressing their lack of fulfillment, their lack of this, their lack of that. No. How about thanking God? Even in the midst of the situations that are testing us. Be grateful. Holy Habits. Habits of the heart. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint Today want to provide an interesting book to you. It's called Holy Habits. And I have shared a lot of things from it and beyond. Uh, $16. We'll put this uh, $18 book in your hands. Holy Habits. And uh, it's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879. Richmond, Virginia. 23255. Remember... Be still and know that I am God. That's God's instruction to you. He said, I want to be with you. Be still. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.